How are you guys doing? You guys look a little more alive today than on Friday. <laughs> um, I say that with love, loving kindness. Um, so, brought my chair back just because uh, I don't. I have notes, and I think it worked last time. I I took like 48 minutes. Normally, I take like an hour. So let's see if I can get it down underneath 45 today. <laughs> No, but I got the chair so that I, I don't go off on tangents, and um, I really want this to be like a workshop, uh, especially since we're doing lifestyle series. Um, take out your phones, take out your notebooks right now, and um, please take notes. Uh, maybe you're not a note taker. Maybe that's something that you didn't do in school, but you know, if the Holy Spirit highlights something specifically to you, or as long as you write one word out of this whole thing, if you write it down, it changes everything. So um, be invested, and, you know, God is going to honor that. So my topic is generosity. Um, and it's, I know I talked about this maybe, I want to say it was like a couple months ago. I did a, a class on generosity. Um, so I'm calling this one uh, Generosity Part 2 but I'm calling it Our Father's Generosity. So what I want to do is I want to recap uh, the last one. I want to recap what we talked about in the last class, and then we'll basically go into like something new, and you'll see like, uh, like a little bit of a different perspective. The last uh, class was a little more practical. It was a little more like uh, talking about like your daily like practices, and this is still going to be practical. I'm going to apply the practical here, but kind of like the the direction you'll see is a little different. Um, so to recap, last time uh, we read from Proverbs 11, uh, 25 through 28. That's what we studied last time, um, and then we learned that these these are just some bullets. Um, and I have a PowerPoint just like last time, so if you want it, um, let me know. Um, so. We learned last time that the root of generosity is in our identity, which is found only in Christ. We learned that generosity is freedom. It's a process that renews and expands our minds. We learned that the target of generosity is to refresh the community around us and in turn positions us to be refreshed. We learned that integrity following through. Integrity is a huge part of generosity, that we would be honest contributors to our societies. Generosity is about seeing the golden people, discovering his favor, and not worrying about, quote-unquote, being discovered. The measure of our generosity is based on trust, and that isn't always comfort, but comfort comes, comes from it. And then lastly, um, when I gave you guys the class, I told you uh, that Proverbs means, uh, it comes from the Hebrew word mashal. Uh, if you want to know how to spell it, that's M-A-S-H-A-L. Uh, and mashal, uh, that Hebrew word, means to rule, to take dominion, or to reign with power. So when you're reading Proverbs, it was written by Solomon. When you're reading Proverbs, you're reading like the blueprint for you to rule, to take dominion and reign in your life. And this is what we're called to do daily. So that's kind of like a recap of last time. You guys okay? 
Okay, cool. So, last time I defined generosity a little bit more like, uh, like a proactiveness, and it's still going to be the same today, but I'm going to use some different words to define generosity. So, um, I kind of gave Jair a, a picture to put up. Cool. So, I looked up generosity again, uh, and I looked up, and I, I feel like I found like a new definition. I feel like I found... Um, like a, almost like a different, I, don't, I feel like it's a different perspective, to be honest, um, but this is uh, what I found. So generosity is to be kind. Generosity is to be generous. So to be kind, there's a couple of definitions. The noun, it's a group of people or things having similar characteristics. The adjective of the word kind is having or showing a friendly generous and considerate nature. And the definition for generous, uh, the adjective definition is showing a readiness to give more of something as money or time than is strictly necessary or expected. So when I was talking about generosity, last time we read Proverbs. And Proverbs, as you know, was written by Solomon, right? And it was, for me, it was all about this, the way of, of God's children's royalty, the ways of their royalty, the way of our royalty. So when I looked this up and I read the definition, I was like, man, this is, this is how the Father is generous with us. So today is going to be the Father's heart, the Father's desire, his, his, his wants for us when it comes to generosity. And you're going to see how that applies to us and then how we're going to apply it to our daily life. Amen? So, from these definitions, what I want you to, to realize is God considers us to have similar characteristics, which is the noun, definition of kind. God looks at you, and he says, we have similar characteristics. God looks at us, and he is considerate towards us. He's our friend. The adjective definition says, showing a friendly, generous, and considerate nature. And lastly, he's, he's always ready to give more than we imagine. If you see the definition, it says, a readiness to give more of something than is strictly necessary or expected. That's, that's what we got to get used to. That's God's nature right there. He is considerate. He sees us like himself, of himself. He is for us, and he's constantly ready to give more than what we expect. Uh, go ahead and open your Bibles. We're going to look at Psalms 8 today. So in our Bible studies, uh, we started with, Psalm, uh, with David, um, and then before we totally finished David, we started reading the Psalms, right? Um, paying tribute to, to David, to uh, Jesus. Uh, David is called the, the father of Jesus. And so in our Bible studies, we've gone now to study Solomon. You know, and, and I have a really good feeling that part of our Bible studies after we're done with Solomon is we'll read Proverbs. So here I'm going kind of like the opposite direction. I, the last time I read Pro, uh, Proverbs started with the son, and now I'm going to read Psalms written by Solomon's father. Are you guys there? Psalms 8. And I'm going to be reading the New King James Version. All right, it says, Our Lord, our Lord, 
How excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. So when we set up the, the Bible study for this chapter, uh, David, our David, not the Bible David, um, Kate, uh, did some research and found out that right there where it says, O Lord, our Lord, it's actually not the same word. Uh, we, just don't have, we, we just don't have it in the English language. But what it actually should say is, O Yahweh, our Adonai. So when you read this, I want you to focus on the first Lord, O Lord, Yahweh. Yahweh means the revealed name of God. So when we're talking about generosity, like we just said, right, God sees us, he considers us, we have the same nature as him. When God looks at us, this psalm to me represents generosity. And he starts off with, O Lord, so O Yahweh, which is the revealed name of God. And then David goes on to write, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. When God gives us his name, it's not just like his name, like written, like on stones or on a piece of paper. When he gives us his name, he's actually giving us all of himself. So our father teaches us to write the check and give ourselves fully without looking back. He gave us his name through the word made flesh. So when it says, O Lord, O Yahweh, the revealed name of God, you can see there the written words, but think about Jesus on earth, and that's what that is saying right there. Oh, Jesus, how wonderful, how excellent is your name. How excellent are you here on earth? And you have set your glory above the heavens. And so David is talking about, like, relationship here. David is expressing relationship to the Father. And he's saying, like, Yahweh, the revealed name of God. So one key thing that I, I want you to know is without relationship, without relationship, you may not be able to be led into generosity daily. So what I wrote down is without relationship, we could be missing a glory-to-glory -glory lifestyle, leading us into daily decisions that are handicapping our generosity. God, and this is kind of like what I'm going to talk about today, it's kind of like a setup, God wants us to move from barely surviving to being suppliers and contributors. Those are two different words, it's not redundant. Suppliers, because you supply things from heaven. Contributors, because you, you are a contribution to this earth. When we were studying this with, with Meryl, and because she taught this class in, in Long Beach, she was like, you know, God told me that when it says glory right there, it says, it says glory because we are God's glory. Who have set your children above the heavens. And what I wrote is that God invites us to think from heavenly places because even he stores his treasure in heaven. God invites us to think from heavenly places because even he stores his treasure in heaven. If you remember, Jesus said, do not store treasure where moth and thieves can break in and steal, but in heaven. You are in heaven. And God looks at you and he says, you are my treasure. You are my prized possession and I will give my name to you. So, maybe write these down. So God teaches us practical generosity. 
through the tithe. That's one. And in all of these, I'm going to talk about today. So God teaches us practical generosity through the tithe, through our time. He teaches us practical generosity in how we handle money. And he teaches us generosity through our bodies. Anybody need me to repeat that again? One more time. So God teaches us practical generosity through the tithe, through our time, through how we handle money, and through our bodies or through the body, if you want to write that. Okay. So let's start with the tithe. I already spoke about this, so I'm not going to like go too deep into it. But what I do want to say is that for 10% of your income, you and God become partners. For 10%, you and the creator of heaven and earth form a partnership. If you work 40 hours, that's just four hours a week. One hour a day for four days. The fifth day is all yours. If you think about it, it's such a good deal. But God takes that 10%, and from it, like when we study the tithe, he pulls strength, he pulls protection for you, he unleashes blessings, he pours out blessings, and the goal of that pouring out is for it to overflow to other people. So verse 2, Psalms 8, verse 2. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. The tithe, like worship, is kind of like, right, like lifting up praise to God. But the tithe specifically is kind of like the minimal that you can do. It's the floor, it's not the ceiling. But the minimal, God comes and says, that's enough, I'll use it. When you lift up worship, look at how God sees you. He sees you as his child, as infants, as babies, as little ones. And he says, when these little ones, who the world says are nothing, who the world shames or thinks that, you know, that they, they, they might be seen, but who has time to actually listen to a little kid? But God says, no, I see you and I want to hear you. And the little bit of worship that we lift up, he says, I'll use it. And what does he do with it? He silences the enemy and the avenger. When you tithe, God shuts the mouth of the devourer. When you pour out your 10% to God, even when it's difficult, He says, I'll take it. I'll use it. So the main lesson here um, for for this point is, and I know we've talked about faith in this manner, but I want to kind of, I want to use this, uh, use that same model, and I'll explain it afterwards. But the tithe is spelled T-R-U-S-T. So write that down. The tithe is spelled T. R-U-S-T. What does that spell? I feel like a cheerleader. (laughs) So the main lesson in tithing is trust. When it's difficult to tithe, to worship, or to trust, do it anyway. 
Our Father will keep his word. It says it is impossible for God to lie. God will come through for you. So let me, uh, I was debating if I should tell a story or not. And by the way, the, the tie, this spelled T-R-U-S-T example is from uh, John Wimber's example, which he said faith is spelled R-I-S-K, risk. So there's this story of a tightrope walker. He said he went to Niagara Falls and he put a stake in the ground on one side and a stake in the ground on the other side of the, of the uh, waterfall. You guys all know what Niagara, Niagara Falls is, right? It's like this massive waterfall. He put a rope over the waterfall and he tightrope all the way to one side and all the way back. He drew a crowd. Reporters show, uh, showed up. He grabbed a wooden barrel and he tightrope as he was pushing the wooden barrel across and balancing the wooden barrel and himself. He walked up to one of the reporters and he says, how about you get into the wooden barrel and I'll tightrope across and I'll push you in the wooden barrel across. And the reporter said, absolutely not. And the tightrope walker looked kind of confused and he said, don't you believe that I can get you across and back? And the reporter said, I believe you can do it, but I don't trust you. God, in his generosity, gave us the tithe to teach us trust. And it's something that we need to learn and develop through time. A lot of us believe God, but do we trust him? It's one thing to say, like, I believe in God. It's another thing to take the risk and be kind of like, oh, man, like, is this really going to happen? Like, is God really going to come through? When we were... When we were studying this psalm in our Bible study class, I think Carlos and Waldo were talking about, you know, do you ever just sit down sometime and think, like, I'm praying right now. Like, who am I really, like, who am I talking to? I'm like, like praying to an invisible God that I can't even see. Like, isn't that kind of weird? It's illogical, but God's logic isn't our logic. So, trust. Now I want to kind of apply the practical. So, trust. How can we be generous with our trust, right? God trusts us to, to worship, to do, the, to do what he has ordained us to do. He trusts us to carry his name, to carry his glory. He trusts us. So when we trust him, we're developing trust. And the way that we're generous with our trust is this. First, we trust first that God will do greater than we imagine in all things for us in our community. So first, we trust that God, or we trust God, will do greater than we imagine in all things for us and for the people around us. That's how you, that's how you start to develop trust, and that's how you are generous with it. First, be generous with your trust in God. Second, we trust that people around us will be accountable and responsible for the greater good. So second is we trust the people around us. We trust that they will be accountable and responsible for the greater good of our body, of our group, of our family. I know for a fact that he will provide for your life through others. He will position people in your life so that you do not go without. Amen? So on that, I want to share a testimony, but it's Pancho.
Hey guys, um, so uh, I've been up here a lot, and a lot of the testimony that I've, the Lord has given me has been in the financial breakthrough, and um, just, you know, things have been going well, they've been actually been going amazingly with being able to plan our wedding and saving our money and freaking out because we didn't have enough to even put down the deposits, and we're just kind of like biting our nails off, and I just kind of realized again that God provided for us to do what we need to do and to have what we want to have. And so God just comes through with that, and we've been able to pay that off with no, no issues. Um, I've been able to close off my accounts. My debt has been clearing little by little. I have one more account to close off. And I had something that was kind of hovering over me for a really long time, and um, that was uh, my, my truck wasn't paid off. And so I, I didn't know where I was going to come up with the money. Slowly but surely, the Lord was providing for me to pay it off. And then last week, I, it's just hitting me now. I just freaked out. Um, like, the Lord just provided for someone dear and close to my life. And God spoke and, and, and just touched this person's heart and completely paid off my debt for my truck. That's a, it's a relief because now I know that all that that I was worrying about, because I don't really kind of put that out there, but it was still something that was weighing on my shoulders. God provided um, for someone, and with that generosity and that loving heart that they have for me and just overall, provided for me to just get cleared from that, and that's my testimony. So again, I say, I know for a fact that he can provide through others, and he will position people in your life so that you do not go without. So the practical here. The practical here is applied in being faithful in the little. That's the practical. Being faithful in the little and trusting God. Then you'll be entrusted with much. Like it says in Luke 16.10, when you're faithful in the little, you will be entrusted with much. Being faithful, being full of faith is so important, and it's something that we should value as we practice generosity. Generosity might be like a habit, it might be a practice. It, it is a value, but that value stems in valuing being faithful. Okay, let's go to the next one. Time. So, generosity isn't just money. I want to make that clear. Maybe the first time that I talked, when I started talking about generosity, you just thought about money. And um, that's not just what I'm talking about. Generosity isn't just money. How you spend your time can make you a generous and kind person. In order to know what generosity looks like, we must position ourselves time and time again in the presence of our good father, like David did. So generosity isn't just money. Generosity is what you do with your time. You can actually invest your time into something. You can actually be selfless with your time. And you can be selfish with your time. So verse 3 says, when I consider, this is David speaking, right? 
When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? Again, this is about the father's perspective with generosity. And I want you to see here that the father is generous with his time. I know that he doesn't have time, but he comes into our realm, you could say, where there is time, and he spends time with us. He devotes his time like David is here, right? And David must be in the presence of God. I want you to think about that, that David is in the presence of God. Uh, go back to verse 3. David is in the presence of God, and David is saying, when I consider, that's time well spent right there, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? That is time well spent. And this practice will bring you fresh revelation about how and where God wants you to spend your time. He will anoint you. He will bless you. And he will give you something to contribute and something to supply. We make the best of our time by staying hungry for God. And this practice gives us courage to reveal the Father to people around us. A thought that I've had um, recently, um, as I, uh, as you guys know, like our family went through like a loss recently, and um, I feel like what I've uh, been experiencing a lot for some different reason, like up to like maybe a couple weeks ago, was like anxiety and like panic. And I started praying to God, like my relationship with God was was on the fence. Like it, I had my from January to what felt like July was like a sprint. Uh, I was either uh, late working or working on stuff, um, or I was, you know, uh, in a different part uh, out of town uh, or out of the country at one point. And then June comes, and, and, and though it is a, a festive time, because it's my wonderful wife Meryl's birthday and our anniversary, um, like when you take like a, a test to see how stressed out you are, they ask you what are the good things and the bad things that have happened in your life. Because all of those actually contribute, even if they're good things. They contribute to kind of like your stress level. And so I felt like I came to this thing and it all kind of like concluded with, um, with, uh, with our, the loss that we had recently. And so I just felt like this like anxiety and this panic and I didn't understand it. And I started, I was like, you know what, I just need to spend my time with God. He is generous with me, so I should be generous with him. And one of the thoughts that immediately filled my mind is that, I want you to think about this, that God spends every second of your life for you. Every single second, one, that second that just went by, he has purpose for you. He takes the time and he comes and he honors you. He values you. And he loves you. Can you put up uh, verse 4? And David, I think, is coming front to front with this as he spends his time in the presence of the Father. And he's saying, God, I see your fingerprint everywhere. Who am I that you come spend time with me? Who am I that you visit me? So God honors you, he values you, and he loves you. And this is something that I've been like 
I, I keep telling myself. And when God honors you, it creates a sound mind. When God, when God values you, he empowers you. And when he loves you, well, when, when you're in love, your awareness of that person just goes through the roof. And ah, that's all you think about. So when you do that, it creates an overflow that's directed at refreshing other people. Uh, verse 5. And this is David again. For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. We have so much kindness when we spend our time getting filled with the Holy Spirit. So here's the practical. The practical is applied here in your time management. So you could write that down for time. Uh, I'll give you a second. The practical here is applied in your time management, how you manage your time. Carlos talked about a lot about hus hospitality uh, on Friday and being hospitable. <laughs> um, and this is this managing your time, being generous with your time. It's like generosity and hospitality hold hands when you are generous with your time. So devoting time to God and to his people. So the practical here is uh, time management, managing your time, and devoting that time to God and his people. And if you know God, all people are his people. So find someone to lend your time to because generosity can awaken them to the Father. Invite someone to lunch or your home. You might find them wearing a crown by the time that you're done hanging out with them. Can you put up verse 5? I felt good. <laughs> For you have made him a little lower than the angels. And this is a revelation that David gets to after spending time with God in these couple of verses. He says, you have crowned him with glory and honor. When you take the time to be generous with your time with God, you are crowned with glory and honor. And when you take the time to be generous with somebody else, you crown them with glory and honor. You have the power to put a crown on somebody's head. And then they will take that crown and throw it at the feet of Jesus. So um, I got a couple stories too. Story time. <laughs> So uh, just an example, because I want to give you the practical stuff, but I want to give you examples of what Meryl and I have, have, have done. So for Meryl's birthday, in her generosity with her time and her day, this is what she wanted to do. This is what we did. Uh, we went to Costco. We bought a bunch of pizzas. Um, we bought a bunch of waters and a bunch of cookies. And we drove around Long Beach, and we just fed the homeless. We drove around where we knew that they camp where they hang out, and we went out, we had paper, uh, uh, napkins and paper plates, and we were just handing them out. And then we went to the downtown civic area. Uh, and it's so funny that it's like the downtown area where like City Hall is, right? Is that where City Hall is? It was like where City Hall is, like the Civic Center and all of these things. And right there is where the biggest group of homeless people is. Isn't that so strange? That's not how it's supposed to be. If we take the time to be generous, our plazas, our squares, I know that's very like old, old like talk, but our downtown areas, I believe that we can remove homelessness completely. So there we took the time, we lent our time, and we spent our time with them. 
We talked with them. We prayed with them. We fed them. As they cooked their drugs, we fed them. But there was the presence of God crowning them with glory and with honor. So be generous with your time. Okay, next one. Um, I'm going to spend a little bit more time on this one. I, I hope I'm doing good on time. Uh, I want to do an exercise at the very end. It was, it was pretty cool when I did it. Okay. Everybody close your eyes. And I'm going to ask you a question. And don't say it out loud. But think of the first thing that comes to your mind. What is the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear these words? Congratulations. You're getting a raise. Congratulations, you're getting a bonus. Just take the time to think. What do you feel? Congrats, you got a raise. Okay, open your eyes. This is uh, something that I really want to like come at for us. God said we are small, but we are mighty. The temptation when you hear these words is, I can now increase my spending or take on more debt. When you hear these words, your ideas might run immediately to, ooh, now I can buy this, and now I can spend here, and now I can... Now I can. And I want to kind of read these things because I want to break these things off of our lives completely. I'm going to read this one and then in a couple minutes I'll read the exact opposite. The world lives on credit, not abundance. The world lives in bondage, not in freedom. The world is in survival mode. Not thinking as a supplier, but just as a consumer. Sometimes we want stuff so bad that we're willing to be in the struggle just to satisfy our appetite for immediate gratification. This doesn't position us to give, but conforms us to the ways of this world. So, uh, I've been learning a lot of these things. Uh, Carlos invested and got me this book. Um, he invested into Meryl and I's passion, and I think we read it like in two weeks, and we were just talking and just going crazy. Um, I just read you a couple of my own examples, but I want to read you some examples or some practices of people who live with a poverty mentality. The book calls it a poverty uh, spirit, but uh, it, poverty mentality. Um, so this is, I want to read a couple of these to you. So a poverty spirit creates anxiety or fear. When you live from paycheck to paycheck, you constantly dwell under a black cloud of that big, unexpected expense. Even after you gain enough to live comfortably, you still worry about losing it all. 
And you might identify. I identified it with some of these when I was reading the book. So if you identify with it, it's okay. You, be honest. A poverty spirit believes things just happen to me. You settle when you should fight. You avoid dreaming about the future because it only reminds you of how powerless you feel to change it. You take the path of least resistance and try to grab whatever comfort you can. You perceive yourself as a perpetual victim. Two more. A poverty spirit reaches for instant gratification. You make impulse purchases, spending hundreds of dollars on worthless things, yet resist a plan to purchase quality items or make good investments. And finally, a poverty spirit chokes out generosity. So a poverty spirit stops generosity. You may want to give, but you feel like you can't afford it. So what I wrote is, we must resist this poverty mentality. We must resist this poverty spirit. And the way you do that is by saying, I don't want to do these things. That's not a vision. Knowing what you don't want to do, what you don't want to be, what you don't want to be is not vision. You got to know what you want to be, right? And the way not to do these things is by practicing love, perseverance, self-control, and faith in how you handle money. So this part... Again, I'm calling it handling money. I understand that this does take renewing your mind. When you renew your mind about money, it comes by practicing who we are, not what we feel. Like Carlos was saying, right? Do you only do what you feel, or should we do what our nature and what he says we are? Um, I'm going to do a little shameless plug here. This is uh, what Meryl and I do when you meet with us about finances. We talk to you about your budgets. We talk to you about your income. It is a very intimate moment. We, we ask that if you trust us and you are willing to, to allow us, uh, to honor us, to come into your life, you, uh, we ask that you open your books up to us, your statements, your spending, everything. Because our job isn't just to, to change your, your what's on the outside, but to change what's in here. Our goal is to renew your mind. And a lot of that comes through very practical things that you can actually do in life that will make you actually save money, will make you more prosperous in here first and then on the outside. That's what we're really passionate about. When we meet with people, um, we just get right into it. We ask them, you know, are you dreaming? What are you, we, we, we might ask you, what are you spending your money on the most? And the next question will be, what are your dreams like? Because a lot of times... If we, meet with, uh, if we meet with people who are kind of like living in the poverty mentality, they're thinking instantly, I need something to happen to me so that my life can get better. But what if it does? Are you going to be able to manage it well? Or are you going to maybe not? So this is what Meryl and I are passionate about. And if you want to meet with us, um, we can do this, essentially what I'm giving you today, but more in-depth um, and personal. And... Um, you know, that's just my little plug. <laughs> um, what we tell people is that we have a new nature, but old habits. And we need to starve those habits to death by feeding our new nature, even if it doesn't feel good. When Meryl and I 
um, like first started this down this road, like it didn't necessarily feel good, you know, but we kept going. So, again, the world operates in all of these things, right? One issue, which was my immediate question when I read these things. We have to operate in this world's economy. You need a car, you need a house, you need a cell phone. Um, you might even have a credit card. So here's my advice. You can get, we can get a mortgage, we can get a car loan, we can get a credit card, but we should ask ourselves, is this living within my means? And the most important thing, will this debt hinder my ability to be powerfully generous? We have to work in this world system. We have to get credit. You, ne you need good credit to get a credit card, to get a mortgage, to get a loan, to get uh, whatever it is, right? But will it remove your ability to give? Because if it does, then maybe it's not a good idea. And always ask the Holy Spirit. Bring him into even that. So now, uh, I want to go into who we are. Now, this is kind of like the opposite, right? I told you I was, I was going to read you the, the, the world doesn't live in, the world lives on credit, not abundance. The world lives in bondage, not in freedom. So this is who we are. We live in permanent, unshakable, unending abundance. Close your eyes. And I just want you to receive this into your heart and let it produce a wonderful tree in your mind. We live in permanent, unshakable, unending abundance, not in temporary stuff. Any credit that we use, we use it for gain. We no longer live in bondage, but in freedom. And we are to protect that freedom at all costs Meaning, maybe not buying something right away. Maybe waiting, taking a moment, asking the Holy Spirit. We are not in survival mode or bent on consumption. We are suppliers of the kingdom's blessings, only bending the knee to our good King Jesus. You can open your eyes. So let me just read that one more time. We live in permanent, unshakable, unending abundance, not the temporary. Any credit that we use, we use it for gain. We no longer live in bondage, but in freedom. And we are to protect that freedom at all costs, meaning maybe not buying something right away. We are not in survival mode or bent on consumption. When I say bent on consumption, I mean like you're kind of like enslaved to it and you're like bowing to it because we're suppliers of the kingdom's blessing, and we only bend and bow to Jesus. The Holy Spirit helps us as we resist the temptation to conform to the ways of this world system. And the Bible says we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. That's what we're supposed to do. So when Meryl and I uh, feel or we hear like good news, like the question that I asked you, is we feel now the excitement to give. Now, I mean, what, it's been like two years. Like, we feel the excitement to give. We feel it like well up inside, and we're just like, man, like, 
like I recently have been like kind of like like going in at my job to get what I know that God has for me because I'm like, dude, that is going to increase my giving, not my spending. But we got to practice giving when we don't feel like it. So what I wrote is anytime we get an increase in income through a promotion, raise, new job, tax return, checks in the mail, or a gift. So anytime... Uh, we get an increase in income through a promotion, raise, new job, tax return, check in the mail, or gift. We take the time to pray about an offering. That's what Meryl and I do. That's a practical thing that we do. And you can practice this to make it your own. We pray. We ask the Holy Spirit. We say we want to give an offering, God, because we want to honor you. And we pray with the Holy Spirit. And we, her and I both together, jointly, we discuss how much to give, and our goal is to pick an amount that is not comfortable, to pick an amount that doesn't feel good, to pick an amount that isn't tied to, but I really want to buy this thing so I can afford to give this thing. No, I can afford to give a lot. What I can't afford is to not give. Since we reign in life, we also command our money. And we make it work for us. The money does not make us work for it. I say this because David, again, he's with the father. He's talking to the father and he says, he's talking about man. Like, who is he that you visit him, that you crown him with glory and honor? You have made him to have dominion, which is like authority and power or to reign. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. When David writes all things, I believe the Bible means all things. It includes money, your time, your body, the people around you, your resources, your income, everything. It includes nature. We on human, this is what I was thinking yesterday. Um, uh, generosity can seriously do such powerful things, guys. It really can especially when it comes from a heart that is like, God is good. And Meryl and I have the pleasure of, of Meryl's a treasure of this church. So, you know, I don't normally get involved. I'm not keeping track of those things. She does. But sometimes I do join her in praying. But something happened on Friday that just, literally we were watching TV, and something happened on Friday through your guys' generosity that, stopped us it stopped the direction we were heading in and the presence of God fell and we spent probably like the next three hours like just worshiping God working on our classes reading the Bible and just feeling God and feeling his presence all because somebody decided to be generous with their giving that is the power that you have it's not just that you put your name on a check but it's that you impact and release heaven that God anoints that thing, that he anoints that check, that he anoints your time, that he anoints how you handle things and how you take dominion over things. And yesterday, as we were in this moment, I was telling God, I was telling him what I read to you, right, that God wants us to think higher because he keeps his treasures in heaven. We are his treasure. This world, he created it. If you can imagine this, this big blue planet, is a treasure chest, and it is full 
of his treasure. And it is you. And it is people, all people. That is who God sees us. And with that in mind, we are to care for the world, for the planet, for our bodies, for the animals. We're to steward them correctly. David here is saying, who are we, God? You created all of these wonderful things. And you said, here, you can have it. Really, God says, here, you can have it. So since we reign in life, we command our money, and we make it work for us. And as we do that, it increases. That's the only way things work in heaven. That's the only direction there is in heaven, up and forward. So now I kind of I want to read to you. I read to you some examples from the book, and now I'm going to read you some examples of the opposite thing. Right, so it was about the poverty, uh, poverty mentality. Now this is kind of like the kingdom uh, or prosperous soul is what he calls it, but kingdom mentality. So just listen to this. Where a poverty spirit creates anxiety, a prosperous soul is anxious for nothing. The threat of calamity fails to sway you. So the threat of something going wrong doesn't shake you. For you know that God will be faithful in all things. When he entrusts you with more, you know that he will also give you the grace to handle it. These are the opposites of the other ones that I read. When a poverty spirit believes things just happen to me, a prosperous soul or a kingdom mentality believes I'm here to be a blessing. You dream of how you can best develop your passions and gifts to make the world better, and you gladly pay the price to do so. When a poverty spirit reaches for instant gratification, so for the instant, a prosperous soul exercises self-control towards goals and dreams. You take the time to think and pray about the best that God has for you, and you budget accordingly to those priorities. And lastly, where a poverty spirit stops generosity, a prosperous soul or a kingdom mentality thrives in it. You love to give. Practically nothing in the world makes you as happy as blessing someone else with the good things God has entrusted to you. So the practical here is that God wants us to have dominion. Our Father wants us to have dominion. And this is the practical here that I've been having you write down. So for handling money, write this down. The practical here is applied in the practice of being purposeful with our finances, not careless. The practical here is applied in the practice of being purposeful, full of purpose, with our finances, not careless. So you live on purpose with your money, with your finances, not careless. 
I can assure you the richest people, financially speaking, in this world know to the dollar, probably even to the cent, what their money is doing for them, not what they're doing for their money. That's freedom, and that's kingdom. So another example that I'll give you, just so you can kind of see like what Meryl and I do, is uh, Meryl's going to start working here in a, in a week, so naturally our income is going to increase. Um, while, while, while we were investing two years together to having her go to school and, and you know, become a, a registered nurse, um, we were living off of one income, and it wasn't easy. And it was hard sometimes to tithe. We weren't able to really save anything. Um, but thankfully, Meryl brought wisdom of managing money into our marriage, and she was able to bring with her some finances that, like this book describes, when you steward your money well, you're able to create a little protection around you. Not that your money protects you, but you yourself, because you're managing the money and you have the right mentality and heart, you're able to protect what's around you. You're able to create an account that says, this God right here is for protection. So what Meryl and I are doing is we have like a plan to have a bills account, a savings account, and a fun account. Our fun account is the smallest. Our bills account is, is the biggest, and our savings account is like right in between. And that's where God wants you, right in between. You are not poor, but you are not rich either just because you have a bunch of money. You are not poor, and that does not make you humble. You go in between. Our savings account is what her and I talked, and our savings account has vision, it has purpose, it's gaining interest, and it is for our future, for our future home, for our future family, for our future cars, for the, the hosting of people at our home, for worship nights, for prayer nights, for whatever it is that we need. But we are not in bondage to that money. So if we see a need or an opportunity to invest into something, we will sacrifice that account for that other person or that other movement or that other thing because we're not tied to that and we don't depend on that thing. Our savings account is a savings account, not our savings grace. All right, you guys feel good? <laughs> All right. Last one. And then David ends the chapter the same way he begins it, the first line. O Lord, O Yahweh, our Adonai, how excellent is your name in all the earth. This section is called body, the body. Jesus on earth is the revelation of the Father. But Jesus in heaven is the revelation of who we are supposed to be. Jesus is healthy, rested, well-fed, and very much in love. This is our new name, that we are Christ-like, that we are like Yahweh. Sometimes we say, who is like Yahweh? We are, actually. So, if we are to be like Jesus in heaven on earth, then we should be kind to our bodies. We should be kind to the body of Christ. Even if we disagree, at the end of the day, the blood of Jesus binds us and we're family. I know this personally for a fact. It's amazing how task-driven and overworked we can be that we forget to rest. 
it could be so crazy how focused on like making money we are that we forget to eat healthy, that we forget to exercise, that we forget that what matters in life isn't material possessions, but like strong relationships with people and time well spent. We have to be generous with our body. And resting is important because it creates a time for you to press into God. If you're busy working and um, constantly, and I'm not talking about the good works that Carlos was talking about on Friday. I am not contradicting that. What I'm talking about is being under this umbrella of like, I got to work, I got to work, and I got to make money, and this is how I get power. That's not the mentality that we're supposed to have. What God wants us to do is to see that Jesus, his excellent name, is our rest. He's our spiritual rest. And what I wrote is overworking ourselves is a way of living enslaved to money. And it counterworks our long-term productivity, imagination, dreams, and generosity. So write this down. When you are generous with your body, or you could write, when I am generous with my body, When I am generous with my body and I rest, so when I am generous with my body, when it comes to rest, and I mean spiritual rest, resting in Jesus Christ, I am productive, my imagination is renewed, My dreams come alive, and I have no other option but to be generous. So when I rest in Jesus Christ, when I am generous with my body, with my soul, with my spirit, with my mind, I am productive. My imagination grows. My dreams come alive, and I become generous. Amen? Um, I read this other book called Why Faith Matters. It's, it's, it's really good. It's, um, it's more like kind of like, uh, like almost like the apologetics kind of thing. But uh, in that book, I read statistics show that people who live generously live longer and healthier lives. So... You know, being generous with your body is one of those things. So love yourself, right? The Bible says love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, love yourself, and you'll love your neighbor. So the practical here um, is taking the time to plan healthy habits, like exercising, right? Carlos was talking about this. Eating healthy meals. And taking the time to literally sometimes just do nothing. But in that time, do what David does here. He says, when I consider. So take the time to consider the wonderful name of Jesus Christ because it is excellent. So this is my conclusion. Um, and again, I have this PowerPoint. I didn't read everything, but if you want it, like, let me know. Um, in conclusion, 
the Father's generosity is that he gives us all things. And so, on purpose, we are to expand the kingdom on earth by walking in abundance. And here's one key thing that I want you to remember. We can't walk in the kingdom and not walk in abundance. You can't walk in abundance truly unless you're walking in the kingdom. Those two things go hand in hand and they're together. And a prosperous person has a prosperous soul and they give generously. So to recap, remember generosity is about starting with the Father, starting with the excellent name of God. Generosity is about trusting God as you worship, as you tithe, as you praise. Generosity is about being generous with your time and how you spend your time. Generosity takes renewing your mind regarding how you handle money. And generosity is about being kind to your body, your soul, and your spirit. It's really important. Our purpose is to reign in life with Jesus. Our Father is pushing us into our destiny and at the same time providing all the resources necessary to complete our mission. So, um, again, generosity is starting with the Father. You start with God's name. And it's not just a name written on a piece of paper. It's Him, all of Himself. Generosity is trusting God as you tithe, as you worship. Trusting God is being generous with your time. Generosity is all about renewing your mind, how you handle money. Generosity is about being kind to your body, your soul, and your spirit. So we're going to do an exercise, uh, including everybody, even if you're serving, um, if you can, spread out a little bit. So maybe go into other rows. If you want to come up to the front, come up to the front. All right. Everybody face the, the soundboard. Turn around. I want you to take a moment to connect with the Holy Spirit. Just take a moment. You can close your eyes or keep them open. I'm going to read a couple things. I want you to feel at rest right now. In Jesus' name, just feel the Holy Spirit bring you peace. Like David, God, when I consider you. Okay, this is what I want you to see with your eyes closed or open however you feel most comfortable. Listen to my words, and I want you to see this. Imagine this. Use your sanctified imagination right now. You are standing in the most crystal blue river that is flowing from the magnificent throne of Jesus. I want you to look all around. I want you to feel that freshness. Hear that river flowing as the water wisps through the rocks, through the pebbles. I want you to see that crystal blue river. But here's the thing. You have your back to the throne. 
at the moment, you have your back, so you can't see the Father. But look at the river that is passing you by. You are in the river. Now, flowing down are good things from God. I want you to see good things. Maybe it's stuff that you've been dreaming about, wanting, stuff that you need. I want you to see it passing you by. You try to reach for it, but because you're facing downstream, stuff is passing you by. And all your last minute attempts to catch things are failing. They're just outside of your reach. I want you to consider in your heart the excellent name and glory of God. And this is what I want you to do. Remind yourself right now in your mind or out loud, however you want, remind yourself that his fingerprints are all over who you are. Tell him, God, I am your fingerprint. Ask Jesus, as you're standing in this river facing the wrong way, ask Jesus to help you turn around. Ask him in your mind, in your heart, in your soul, in your spirit. Ask him to help you turn around. And as you start to feel it, physically turn around and face the stage. Turn around and face the wonderful throne of heaven. Now you can see the wonderful Lamb of God seated on the throne of grace. Now you can see the one whose eyes burn with fire and with passion. Now you see the one who is for you every single second of your life. Now you see the one who put his breath and life in you. And I remind you that you're standing in the river with eyes closed or with eyes open. I want you to see that now you could see the best things from God floating to you. You see that there is abundance for everyone. The river is flowing and it's passing you. The water is running through your legs and splashing up and you feel freshness, but you can see all the good things coming. And because you can see them coming up ahead, you can grab them. So start grabbing them. By faith, grab them. Whatever it is, grab them. Don't settle for the good or better, but for the best from God. And remember, you're at rest. So remember, you don't have to grab every single thing. Don't settle. Grab what God has for you. And just take a moment to grab those things by faith. I'll give you a couple of seconds. He is so generous. You're in the river. And here comes your healing. 
here comes things that were lost or stolen. Here comes an inheritance. Here comes a raise. Here comes a gift. Here comes a big kiss for everyone. God says, because I honor you, because I value you and you are precious in my sight, and I love you, I will give. Watch him give color to your life. Oh, come, Lord. Wonderful river of God. See, sometimes we're going so fast, we just got to slow down and pay attention to where you're really standing and where you're facing. And if it's the wrong way, just turn around. It's that easy. We don't bow to sickness. We don't bow to money. We don't bow to death. We only bow to Jesus. I want you to, in a little moment of prayer, ask him, God, and maybe you repeat after me, God, help me. Help me to feel. Help me to taste and smell your awesome opportunities. And finally, ask him, God, Teach me prosperity. Teach me generosity. And teach me to have dominion in my life. You are in the river. Take a deep breath. And open your eyes when you feel ready. This river goes with you wherever you are. This river goes with you day and night, night and day. So let's be generous with our Father. Just pray with me to close. Just repeat after me. Lift up your hands. Father, louder, Father, bless me, keep me, cause your face to shine upon me and increase my ability to wisely reign in this life as I live from your dominion. As I walk in your river, I am forever yours, my good King. In Jesus' excellent name, and everybody said loud, Amen. Let's give God glory and worship right now.
Just take time right now to be generous with God and just lift up praise to you for what he's done. I know that he has done great things right now. God, you are so good, Lord. Thank you for listening to the Grace and Love podcast. We hope you were blessed by this message. If you have a prayer request, we would love to hear from you. Please feel free to contact us. And if you're in the LA area, we would love to meet you. We have services Sundays at 2 p.m. and Fridays at 8 p.m. We are located at 1900 Medford Street, Montebello, California, 90640. Thanks again, and God bless you.